Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Up next, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Our country's elites love to tell the American people what they can and cannot do. But these same elites do as they please and have no problem breaking their own rules while ordering hardworking Americans to step in line. They can't keep getting away with this, and it's time to call them out. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. Welcome back to this Wednesday's episode of Luna Talks with me, your host, Anna Paulina Luna. We had some really interesting stuff breaking over the weekend, one story of which managed to upset everyone. It was a nonpartisan, you probably shouldn't have done that moment, for former President Barack Obama in regards to his birthday. So he had his 60th birthday and it leaked that he was going to be having a party, not just for a few close relatives and family members and friends, but for 475 people to include 200 additional staff with special appearances from Steven Spielberg and one of his favorite bands. Now, mind you, this was supposed to be at his home that is on 30 acres and a $12 million residence in Martha's Vineyard, which happens to be a Democrat hotspot. I know the Kennedys have a place out there, but it's interesting, right? Because you have half of the country now talking about, and definitely the Biden administration talking about another lockdown, something that we had actually covered in previous episodes. And then you hear literally recently the White House press secretary just yesterday saying this. You will hear the president convey later. If you are not going to be a part of the solution, if you're not going to be a part of saving people's lives, then get out of the way and let other people do the job. Get out of the way. Uh, That means don't ban, uh, don't make it harder for people to put requirements on masks or asking for vaccination status into law. And she's making those statements in regards to Ron DeSantis. She's not talking about anyone else. She is literally making those statements about the fact that Governor DeSantis is rightfully so not locking down Florida's economy. And that is because obviously DeSantis has, I think, set the standard for what most governors should have been doing during the lockdown. This is also the same administration that refused to condemn 
Obama's birthday celebration. So they have this double standard set for obviously the political elite. Obviously, if you're a Democrat, you get a get out of jail free pass. Meanwhile, I was actually scrolling through some of these comments on this Axios story. And this woman who literally looked like she probably was not a Republican voter made this posting. You couldn't say goodbye to your dying loved ones. You couldn't go to work. You were called a quote unquote grandma killer for questioning anything. And you were told to stay home. Your kids are forced to wear masks and miss schools. So our political elites can party on Martha's Vineyard. And I think that that actually sets the precedence and sets a tone for the way that many Americans are feeling now. I know that now in New York City, they're talking about the fact that they are going to bring forward something called the Key to New York City Pass that was being pushed by um, New York Mayor de Blasio today. Listen to what he's saying. And this is exactly what I mean about, you know, those who are choosing to not be vaccinated as they are now being treated as second class citizens. So today I announce a new approach which we're calling the key to NYC pass, the key to New York City. When you hear those words, I want you to imagine the notion that because someone's vaccinated, they can do all the amazing things that are available in this city. This is a miraculous place, literally full of wonders. And if you're vaccinated, all that's going to open up to you. You'll have the key. You can open the door. But if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. That's the point we're trying to get across. It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary to living a good and full and healthy life. The key to NYC pass will be a first in the nation approach. It will require vaccination for workers and customers in indoor dining, in indoor fitness facilities, indoor entertainment facilities. This is going to be a requirement. And that is launching August 16th, and we'll start to see enforcement of that starting September 13th. This is meanwhile, to go back to the Obama party, you had commentary over John Hopkins University, Daniel Schulzman, who's saying that it was, of course, conservatives that were making a big deal out of this Obama thing. And of course, you know, you talk about Obama, and that's basically a trigger word for conservatives. And that's exactly why it was such a big deal. No, no, Daniel, it was a big deal because it shows the hypocrisy, the double standard, and now the segregation and classism that's existing among those that are choosing to have, I think, medical freedoms and those that are trying to force it. And mind you, it was even put out in a statement by Obama's team in regards to his birthday party that not even he was saying that people that attended had to be mandatory vaccines. That wasn't even a requirement. So do you not see the hypocrisy in all of this? So you have this happen, and then you have, I think, one of the more disturbing things that was actually uh, something that was posted actually by Candace Owens yesterday, and that's in regards to the Baby Muppet Show. So as we know, Disney actually owns Disney's GCI Muppet Babies is a series that's actually targeting and supposed to be for uh, preschool-aged children aged four to seven. And in this episode titled Gonzarella, You have Gonzo, who's this little Muppet creature, and someone that I actually remember watching on The Muppets growing up, but he's attending this royal ball, and Miss Piggy tells him that boys have to play with knights. And you can also find a copy of this story on Breitbart. So in the actual segment, and it's about a 30-second clip, you see, and this is something that at first I saw the headline, and then I looked at the clip, and I I was dumbfounded. You see baby Gonzo basically turning into Cinderella. And you see kind of this soft implication 
And I will say, look, I'm not a parent yet, but what I can tell you is that little kids, when they are young, first of all, why are we even having this discussion about gender identity with children? Children are focusing. I remember growing up, it's like you're going outside, you're getting dirty, you're playing. You're like, for goodness sakes, I thought literally growing up, I remember when I realized that I couldn't be Batman. And it wasn't this heartbreaking thing. It just, I realized that I was a girl and that Batman was a boy. Now, it doesn't mean I could be Batwoman, but you see my point is that little kids have imaginations. They're not focusing on this. And it seems that especially over the last couple of years, um, I actually started following this whole weird turn in society to hypersexualize children starting back in 2016. There was an article that I'd actually come across and it was put out by the Independent UK. It was actually put out on April 3rd, 2016. And I'll actually try to actually include this article in the description for the podcast so you all can check it out. But it talks about how a pedophile has the same ingrained attraction that a heterosexual female may feel towards a male, says a psychologist. And it goes into this. But the title of the headline itself is that pedophilia is a sexual orientation like being straight or gay which is completely false. I actually know people that are gay. And this is actually probably one of the more disturbing things that they actually get mad about. And then you have this whole angle in drag queen story hour, which again, why is it that we are continuously seeing in society this push to take a small, I think, percentage of the population and then of all things like putting this onto kids, kids at the library should not be going to drag story hour. They should be going to learn about American history. They should be going to learn about things that they can do to help their family. They should be learning about language. They should be learning how to read. They should not be focusing on that. It's just completely bizarre. And then you you know, you know, find articles that are put out by Vice. I understand sometimes Vice is trying to be catchy and modern and they wanted to have the clickbait titles. And trust me, I mean, I believe of all people, I've actively been used definitely in the last couple of months or so as clickbait for some of these reporters. But the point is, is that they put up these headlines and you just see these headlines and it honestly makes you sick. It talks about, for example, here's one headline that I'm going to read to you. A child rape victim on why society should be more empathetic to pedophiles. Here's another headline, and I'm not making these up. These are literally headlines that are put out by Vice Magazine. Here's one. I spent a year living with non-offending pedophiles. As if, by the way, might I add, I mean, a year living with non-offending pedophiles. I'm sorry, but if you have a sexual attraction towards a child, there is something very wrong with you. Then you see another headline that says, most child sex abusers are not pedophiles, expert says. And then you read down below and it says, an increasing number of experts believe that pedophiles might not have a choice in the matter. We spoke with an expert to understand child sex abuse and whether or not pedophilia is really a sexual orientation. So there you go. Again, having another quote unquote expert coming out to say that apparently this is an orientation and not something that we should just completely be eradicating from society. It is so disturbing. It is so disturbing to see all of this. And what's even more disturbing is that you have this being promoted. Meanwhile, you actually have other people actively being censored on social media simply for posting that they don't agree with this liberal and progressive ideology simply because they are talking about the fact that we should have voter ID. I think that's common sense knowledge that you have to have voter ID to have a secure election. Anyways, we're going to be right back with our guest. He's incredible. His name's Seth Dillon. He is the CEO of the Babylon Bee. If you don't know who they are, you'll absolutely love them. They are a satire website. They are better than The Onion. They're absolutely viral on social media. We'll be right back with Seth after this quick break. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Thank you so much for joining us today, Seth. We have Seth Dillon on from the Babylon Bee. He is the Bee Chief, correct? Yes, the CEO, uh, Bee Chief on Instagram. So how did you start the Babylon Bee? I know that I actually just posted one of your memes. It was absolutely hilarious. It was on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle variant of (laughs) of COVID. (laughs) How did this start? So ridiculous. Um, Well, the Bee started, I actually didn't start it. Um, I bought this thing. Uh, I I was a fan of the Bee back in 2017, 2016, 2017. Um, Adam Ford is the guy that started it. And he's just a brilliant guy. He was he was running a, a, a funny Christian comic online and uh, he just noticed that there was this giant gap, this huge void on the right where nobody was doing comedy like that was not cheesy and that was dealing with like the issues of the day and like an effective way that the way that the left was was doing that so effectively with their, you know, late night shows and the onion and all of that stuff. So um, he decided to give it a shot and see if he could do it. And uh, he had a knack for it, a talent for it. And there was obviously a huge demand for it. So it took off. And then, I ended up getting involved in early 2018 when I took it over. Um, he was looking for an exit and, uh, and I was really approaching it as from an investor standpoint, thinking, you know, maybe I could help this thing really get somewhere and fund it. Um, but he wanted to sell it. So I took it over and have been running it ever since. And it's, it's so much fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. You guys have some really viral content, I think, because you're able to present things in a way that people, I mean, these are such serious topics. You have COVID, you have these lockdowns, but you present it in a way that actually points out, I think, the hypocrisy that the left has really put forward that, you know, they have certain restrictions for the American people, but then they don't hold themselves to those same standards. So you see- You know, this past weekend, Obama, I think, had his massive birthday bash in Martha's Vineyard, and they're talking about locking down these blue states. I mean, what is your opinion on that? Because it is, it, there is a certain type of way of sharing that information with people so they can easily digest it. Yeah, well, I mean, so that's what satire is so good at, is exposing, you, you nailed it, it's exposing hypocrisy and absurdity, and it does it more effectively than anything else. I, I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He said, um, humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. And I love that because, you know, you can argue with somebody about these things, but, you know, ultimately, if you can find a way to just ridicule and mock uh, a bad idea or a hypocritical position, um, you're going to make your point that much more easily. I think when you wrap a message in in a package of humor, it's more easily received. Um, And it's also more likely to be shared. That's why these things go viral so easily is because even on very serious topics where, you know, people wouldn't normally feel comfortable sharing their opinion, they're more comfortable sharing a joke about it that kind of softens the, the delivery of the point that you're trying to make. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons it's effective. But what? But I mean, like that type of behavior 
um, from you know politicians and you know experts uh, who don't follow their own rules. I mean, really, what they're telling you is this isn't actually that important to me. This isn't how I feel about it. Um, that what they're what they're communicating to people is uh, don't take anything that I say seriously. That's ultimately what they're communicating to people. So um, you know they're shooting themselves in the foot if they want to be taken seriously. Uh, then they should live according to their own commands and uh, and prescriptions, and, and they don't. And so that's why they're such easy targets. Well, you guys are absolutely crushing it. You nailed it. There is this space and there's a need for people like the Babylon Bee, for people like you to actually get out there. And I think kind of break into the pop culture and the culture war in all of this. So I guess kind of transitioning from that, have you guys have any had any issues with fact-checking and really these groups going after you to say that you guys are putting out disinformation? Because I understand that you're a satire site, but I feel like they would try to easily hit you that with that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think that's a um, an easy line of attack to take against us. And it's been a strategy uh, from, from the left, I think, for some time now. Um, you know, over the course of the past few years, misinformation has become like this major conversation where the social networks are trying to limit the spread of misinformation. It's as, it's as serious as the virus, right? You got to stop the spread, stop the spread. And so they put together all these uh, policies on fake news and how you can't spread misinformation. You're going to get de-boosted. You're going to get deplatformed. Um, and, you know, that shouldn't apply to us because we are satire. We're, we're a humor site. We're not actually making factual claims ever. We're not making claims. <laughs> uh, we're making points and we do, we do, would would say that we're speaking truth to culture in in some significant ways, but we're not we're not making factual claims as if we're reporting the news. Um, but they've made it. They've tried to lump us in. So we've had you know Snopes, the the one that kind of set the whole thing off was back in 2018. Snopes fact checked a piece of ours that said that CNN had purchased these industrial sized washing machines to spin the news <laughs> in publishing it. And <laughs> it's just it's a silly story. Um, I, I think that the fact check of it was even funnier than the story itself, honestly. Um, but, you know, Snopes fact checked it, rated it false. And then and then Facebook came to us and said, you know, if you guys keep putting out false stories, we're going to have to remove you from our from our platform. And we're like, hey, wait a minute. This is clearly a joke. You guys need to you guys need to handle satire differently than you handle fake news. And that's been an ongoing battle ever since that happened. Um, you know, we continue to get fact checks. USA Today recently fact checked one. Um, the headline was something like. Uh, Ninth Circuit Court overrules death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, overrules her death. <laughs> and they fact check it, rate it false, and they cite 15 sources. And it's just like they take this so seriously that they this claim is false. And it's just so silly. Um, but, you know, it's not it, it, on the one hand, it's funny that this is happening, that we're being fact checked. On the other, it's actually kind of serious because they are actually trying to censor us by doing this. They're trying to say that we're misleading people on purpose, and that that's our motivation for doing what we do is to get people to, to buy into false narratives and stories, which is just silly. You know, we are every bit as much a satire site as The Onion. Well, I mean, and everything that you're doing, I think it's because you are so effective, right? Like the stuff that you put out, first of all, it's brilliant. I look at that. I see the humor in it, but you're able to, I think, reach those people across the aisle that typically wouldn't care about politics or typically wouldn't care about these social issues. You know, um, one thing that I am definitely increasingly concerned with is that you have sites like yours that are being attacked. You have sites like yours that are being really targeted by these big tech you know, technocracy groups. And then you have Disney putting out, you know, 
pro-trans ideology onto children. And I'm at the point now where, I mean, I'm first and foremost a Christian. And so when I think about this, I think about this, not just from a moral perspective, but also too from a perspective of, you know, children are not supposed to be sexualized at such an early age. And I did see that recently, and I think it was actually on your face or on your Instagram account that you were actually able to post a clip of that Muppets episode. And I saw that and it scared me a little bit because I don't have kids yet. I'm sure that you do. And so what is your opinion on just where our society is going and why it is so important for people to, I think, continue to take a stand and use their voices and honestly, even use platforms like the Babylon Bee to get that message out there? Great question. I mean, um, I, I gave a talk recently to a student group out in Tampa, the, the, the Turning Point Student Action Summit. And, you know, one of the points that I was making there is that it's, this is, you know, well, well, I was answering a question. And one of the questions was, where do you draw the line with, you know, being offensive on these issues and dealing with some of these serious issues? And like, aren't there certain topics that we should lay off of? And, you know, my, my response was, you know, there, this, we're in a battle right now. This is literally a war and it's a war um, for the hearts and minds of young people. Honestly, you have, uh, I think the caption that I put on that video was that, you know, they're not trying to entertain your children. They're trying to poison your children. And it's like true. The, the, t- the type of messaging that's going out there right now, we have drag queens performing for kids in libraries for some reason with their parents present. And this is like celebrated, like it's a good thing. Like the word progress is attached to that. Um, And I don't see how, uh, I don't see how anybody can view that as progressive. I don't see how that helps children. What they're trying to do is, um, you know, we had, we had, we had this thing with this, this small problem where this minority of, of, of uh, young people experienced, you know, discomfort with their body and who they were in their body and whether or not, what, what do I match who I am physically, like on the inside. And that gender dysphoria was like this unusual, uncommon thing that required, you know, it, 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 it needs compassion and sympathy and proper treatment and everything. But somehow we went from this is a rare problem that needs to be dealt with appropriately to let's see if we can make this happen more everywhere. Let's see if we can create gender confusion all over the place. Let's take away, you know, the differences between boys and girls and try to and try to blur those lines and confuse them as much as possible. And that's an assault. I I consider it abusive on children. I don't think they should be exposed to or thinking about these things, you know, and to to let a child's uh, opinion of themselves uh, be considered, you know, uh, factual. Like we need to listen to their feelings. Look, my, my youngest son is five years old. He thinks he's Spider-Man on, uh, on Wednesday and he <laughs> thinks he's a transformer on Thursday. Um, you know, to, if, if he were to dress up as a girl one day and I would say, that's it, you're a girl, we're putting you on transition hormones. It would just be the most ridiculous thing because he is just, he's imaginative and he's in his own head and he doesn't, you know, he, he's not even thinking about gender roles and stuff like that. So, um, it's it's really I think it's really insidious and it's it's really messed up and so there is a role for for satire to play in those conversations and I think it is succinctly summarized as saying ridicule bad ideas ridicule bad ideas mock the hell out of them and excuse my language sorry <laughs> no you're um, quite all right but, no offense but, here <laughs> yeah but make make people feel uncomfortable advancing this stuff because it's wrong and there is a moral good to ridiculing bad ideas. So I feel like in general, and by the way, everything that you said, I completely agree with. We're at the point now where I think that when you have these 
I mean, you look at some of the headlines from Vice and it's almost taking, you know, these really awful things that have happened in people's lives. Like, you know, they talk about, you know, I think one of the headlines was I lived with um, a pedophile for a year and this is what I found. And it's like, you see those headlines and it's disturbing, right? Mm-hmm. But then you wonder why is it can't like why can't media focus on the positive in society? Like why are we not talking about some of the breakthroughs in science that we've found or the people that are actually, you know, finding cures for cancer? Why is it so focused? And I feel like it is somewhat involved in this spiritual war, right? Like you're I, do you believe in God? Of course, yes. Oh, okay, so yeah. so you're a Christian. So I feel like how can you begin to understand the root of chaos unless you truly understand you have your foundation in faith and you can truly understand that we literally are battling principalities of darkness. And that's a lot of what you're seeing really, I think, bleeding over into society and into culture. So to kind of, I guess push back at that. What can people do? You obviously have a huge grasp on what people on social media are thinking, what the base of, I think, conservatives, the base of Christians, the base of Americans are really concerned about. What do you see, I think, especially for this upcoming election cycle, what do you think the big issues are going to be? Well, getting behind all of this stuff, you know, before you get into the specifics of the issues, I think the really big thing right now is free speech itself. It's, it's the freedom to have dissenting opinions on these things and um, to be able to engage on the questions of science that are out there, but also the questions of morality um, and to be able to offer opinions freely uh, in the sense that there is no consequence for expressing them. You're not deplatformed, you're not silenced, you're not canceled. Um, that is a major, major, major issue. There is an effort to stamp out conservative ideas and traditional values by simply silencing all the people who are voicing them so that they're no longer effective and those ideas no longer spread. I don't believe that the truth can be suppressed like that. I think it's ultimately going to win out in the end, but why would we help along that effort by either censoring ourselves uh, or failing to fight back aggressively against that effort? I think free speech is really the issue of our time right now. And it's one of the things that we're dealing with, with um, this cancel culture stuff, the fact checking, the attacks on us. The truth uh, that we're speaking through humor is effective. It's the reason that we're being attacked. It's the reason that they want to silence us. And I think that kind of banding together and being bold truth tellers confronting this stuff head on is first and foremost what we need to be focused on. Um, Because, you know, these for this whole conversation with like big tech and, um, you know, censorship and stuff like that. I mean, the digital public square where all these ideas are now being shared. It is, if that's how the, that's the public square now, like it used to be the sidewalks and the streets and towns and parks and stuff like that. And now it's a digital public square and we have a right to be there and a right to be heard. So I think that's really a priority fight for our times. I'm not sure if that answers your question as directly as you want it or not, if you want to, if you want to get into other specific issues, but I think and before we can deal with many of those other issues, we have to deal first with, we have a right to think what we think and believe what we think and stand by our convictions. I know. I think that you answered that perfectly because honestly, if we don't have free speech, we're not even going to be able to discuss those other things. So I think that that actually nails it out of the park. Well, thank you so much for even just taking the time to join us today. Obviously we're huge supporters of everything that you're doing. And I love that even just on your personal profile, I went there and I saw exactly what you stand for. And it honestly gives me hope that there are people, you know, my age that believe and will fight for, I think the core principles of this country, but also to, to think kind of, you know, call people out and say, Hey, you know, I don't agree with that. This is just bizarre. Why are we doing this? And to actually put a spotlight on it. So you guys are doing some great work and thank you so much for joining us today. And I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. 
such an incredible interview with Seth. It's, you know, very seldom that I come across people that I'm just completely in awe with. And he's one of them. He's doing some incredible stuff and just the ideology behind the Babylon Bee and what it represents and how it's so, I mean, just such great content, um, something that we actually need, especially right now in the culture war. We'll be right back with the final segment of this show. I want to get into what's happening with Cuomo. We just actually heard today that he's been um, found guilty of these sexual harassment charges. Play that for you after we get back right after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. All right. Breaking news with Andrew Cuomo. This is something that I know for a very, very long time you saw. I mean, and just the double standard that exists among, I think, Republican and Democrat officials that are being accused of things is really, really awful. You see Republicans, I mean, you may as well be guilty right away because they don't even wait for the evidence to come out. And I've always been a firm believer in waiting for that evidence. But the thing is with Cuomo is right after you saw these people come out with these allegations, you actually saw multiple people go on records. There was a photo that surfaced from him. There was actual recording of him making inappropriate comments about, I think it was a hot dog to one of his staffers. So just really creepy stuff started coming out, but it wasn't just, you know, statements and, you know, hearsay. It was actually with evidence. And so this is what was actually announced today, something that I think we've all been waiting to hear about for a very long time. The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. Specifically, the investigation found that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed current and former New York State employees by engaging in unwelcome and non-consensual touching and making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive and sexual nature that created a hostile work environment for women. You know, being someone that is involved in politics now, and I can tell you that, yes, I've had people that are working for me with the you know previous campaign. I've had interns and I've had very young women, especially that have wanted to get involved and really look to, you know, engaging in the political process and want to be given that chance and opportunity to have someone like this guy take his position as the governor of New York and exploit that and really harass these women. I mean, look, Sexual harassment should not happen, whether it is a man or a woman, period. There's a zero tolerance stance for that. But the fact is, is that the media didn't cover this how they should have. And honestly, I mean, I applaud many people that said, okay, this is wrong. You had Democrats really say, okay, we want him to step down. But I want you just to think about it from the lens of if there was a Republican governor that was accused of this, how much more vicious the media would have been in regards to this whole thing. 
it's honestly disheartening that you see this happening, especially for women, especially for the people that he did this to. This is something that they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their lives. And I don't believe that he should be given special treatment because he is a governor. I don't believe that he should be given special treatment because of the fact that he's a Democrat. I think that if this guy's going to do this, he needs to be held to the same standards. And I'm honestly glad that they came out with this investigation, that this is now public knowledge because he needs to step down. We know that he had a terrible response for COVID-19. We know that he definitely cooked the books on the nursing home deaths. We know that he was responsible for that. And and sure, people might say, well, why was it his his fault? He obviously couldn't have helped all of those deaths. Well, that's wrong. He was given the numbers. He knew exactly what the response should have been. And he actively chose to do the opposite. Why? Because he's not a good leader. Honestly, I feel bad for the people of New York, but I hope that they can get better representation in because hearing that makes me sick to my stomach. And I don't want to necessarily be you know, totally negative in regards to the, the future of our country. I do think that we can win it back. We have people like Seth Dillon who came onto the show. And honestly, thank you so much to him for coming on because it's important for people to realize that there is a space and there is a need for people in comedy, for people in entertainment, for people in the media, whether you are an author, whether you're your journalist, whether you are a, a videographer. We need everyone that we can get to help win this culture war. Because if not, you're going to see more of what's happening in New York across the entire nation. They are literally treating unvaccinated people as second-class citizens. And that's wrong. That is completely wrong. It's not something that should ever exist here in the United States. And it is our responsibility to fight back. Before we go, I want to thank Seth Dillon again for the great interview. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Parlor, Facebook, and Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to producer Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kligman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.